What are you scared of? What are your greatest fears and how do you face them? In sport, we talk about facing and overcoming your fears, but it is harder than just thinking and doing. I believe that there are two principles that are vital for overcoming fear, and I'll explain them a bit later. More than any time before, we are currently confronted by an enemy that we cannot see, an enemy that we cannot touch. It is creating a fear on a global scale. We are scared. Who would have thought that 12 months ago, every sporting code in the world would be effectively shut down? Professional athletes would have their competition shut down overnight. Junior athletes would have their development put on hold as they contemplate spending months trapped inside their homes. Words like social distancing and isolation have now become normal dialogue. Many have fallen into a state of panic. We have been immobilized by fear. Now, more than ever, we need to confront this fear. The two principles that I referred to earlier about overcoming fear can be best explained through the story of a little British port called Ramstage. On the 4th of June 1940, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, Winston Churchill, addressed the British Parliament in the House of Commons. He made the request to address the House of Commons one week prior in the anticipation of sharing some devastating news for Britain. The message that he was planning to give was one of complete and utter disaster. He was planning to tell the House and the British people that the British forces that had been sent to France had failed in their attempt to prevent German military from invading Belgium and France. That the German military were at their doorstep and their forces were depleted. Churchill believed that the message he would be telling was that over 300,000 Allied soldiers had perished at Dunkirk. It would be the greatest military defeat in British history. In fact, many believed that he should be conceding the inevitability of British surrender to the German forces. But that is not the speech that Winston Churchill gave to the House of Commons. Instead, it was a speech of defiance and a message that told the world that Britain would not give up no matter the odds. While his account was detailed, there was a small section that has gone down in history to make it one of the greatest wartime speeches ever. It immediately lifted the British people and emboldened them to keep going. Despite the fear that faced them, they would overcome. His words would never have been so well received by the British people had it not been for the bravery of the British fishermen, trawlers, merchants and volunteers who answered the call for help. Ordinary people who were willing to do extraordinary things. What started as a military defeat and evacuation became the greatest rescue in history. When normal everyday people dropped what they were doing, jumped on boats and headed into the most dangerous situation they could possibly imagine to save their people. They weren't saving soldiers, they were saving British sons, brothers and fathers. This rescue is known as the Battle of Dunkirk. Dunkirk is a small coastal town in France. The battle itself was a decisive victory for Germany. They used their military force 
to overwhelm Belgium, British and French forces. They quickly and efficiently invaded Belgium and France and were closing in on the Allied forces who were at Dunkirk. It was a hopeless situation and the British forces had decided to start evacuating their soldiers. They knew that it would only be a matter of days before the German military breached their defences at Dunkirk, so they developed a plan to extract 45,000 troops over two days. The military had 220 light warships to help with the evacuation, but it simply wasn't enough. Churchill said in his speech, It seemed indeed forlorn. The Belgian, British and French armies were almost surrounded. Their sole line of retreat was to a single port and to its neighbouring beaches. They were pressed on every side by heavy attacks and far outnumbered in the air. In desperation, the call was put out to British volunteers to meet at Ramstage, a British port on the opposite side of the British Channel to Dunkirk. Fishermen, trawlers and merchant seamen made their way to the port. It started out as a small number of boats, then grew bigger and bigger. Men, women and children also made their way to help feed the seamen and support the rescued soldiers when they made it back safely to England. Operation Dynamo had begun. Imagine being a fisherman who answered the call to help. Years of experience on the water and no experience in war. Answering a call to navigate seas full of magnetic mines and head to a French port under the threat of German battleships, submarines and fighter planes. As you approach the shore, you see soldiers lining up on the beaches, desperate to be rescued. You would see others laying motionless on the beach, dead, casualties to German bombers and fighter planes. The sounds of bombs and torpedoes invading your every thought. The evidence of destroyed ships and boats scattering the harbour. Yet despite this, you continue to the shore. As you arrive, soldiers scurry on board in the hope of going home. You fill your boat beyond capacity and start your perilous journey back. And when you are finally home, in a safe harbour, you return back to do it again, putting your life in harm's way to save others. In total, 750 small boats answered the call. Without them, many would have died on the beach of Dunkirk. And while 68,000 soldiers were lost in Dunkirk, over 338,000 troops were rescued in nine days between the 26th of May and the 4th of June, 1940. After the battle at Dunkirk, Adolf Hitler gave a speech claiming victory. And he was right to do so. It was a comprehensive defeat of the Allied forces. In that speech, he said, Dunkirk has fallen. 40,000 French and English troops are all that remain of their formerly great armies. Immeasurable quantities of material have been captured. The greatest battle in the history of the world has come to an end. But while Hitler saw it as a resounding victory, the British people would see it as the greatest example of human triumph. That when Britain needed its people to stand up and to do extraordinary things, they answered the call. Churchill understood that. So when he presented to the House of Commons, it was from a position of strength. 
there was one word that captured this more than any other. The word is we. He did not say our army or our military. He used the word we because at Dunkirk, it was the ordinary people that saved more than 300,000 souls. And Churchill understood that it was this spirit that would save Britain. His words spoke to the heart of Britain. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. In 2020, we are facing uncertain times. The threat is real, but it is beatable. In 1940, many of the British people lived in constant fear. The fear of invasion was real. The fear of bombings was real. The fear of death was real. But it was ordinary people who came together for a great purpose, and it moved them from a position of fear to one of strength. And it was a great leader in Winston Churchill who recognised this. So why, today, is the story of Dunkirk and Ramstage so important? The answer is simple. It teaches us how to deal with fear. Remember I said that there are two principles that are vital in overcoming fear? The first is that you need people. Fear is not something you should have to face on your own. Life is not a self-help book. Consider living in Britain during this challenging time of war. The fear was real and likely. But then Dunkirk and Ramstage reminded them that they were in it together. And that strengthened the entire country. The second principle is what I like to call the ultimate why. Sometimes you have to take a step forward despite your fear. But if the reason for stepping forward is greater than the fear itself, then you will take that step. You may still be fearful, but fear will not paralyze you if you know your ultimate why. For the fisherman at Ramstage, who set off to rescue his countrymen in the most dangerous of environments and fearing his own death, there is no doubt that his ultimate why was to save his countrymen and to save his country which would have fallen if the rescue failed. His ultimate why was bigger than his ultimate why not. I'm not sure how all this ends, other than knowing that it has a happier ending if we work together and we understand why we are doing it. Fear is human and it is something you will have to encounter. If you can learn how to manage it in sport, you'll be able to manage it in life. If you can manage it in life, you'll be able to manage it in sport. When a week ago today, Mr. Speaker, I asked the House to fix this afternoon as the occasion for a statement, I feared it would be my hard lot to announce the greatest military disaster in our long history. These were the hard and heavy tidings for which I called upon the House and the nation to prepare themselves a week ago. 
The enemy attacked us on all sides with great strength and fierceness. Pressing in upon the narrow exit, both from the east and from the west, the enemy began to fire with cannon upon the beaches by which alone the shipping could approach or depart. They sowed magnetic mines in the channels and seas. They sent repeated waves of hostile aircraft, sometimes more than a hundred strong in one formation, to cast their bombs upon the single pier that remained and upon the sand dunes on which the troops had their only shelter. Meanwhile, the Royal Navy, with the willing help of countless merchant seamen, strained every nerve to embark the British and Allied troops. 220 light warships and 650 other vessels were engaged. They had to operate upon the difficult coast, and often in adverse weather, under an almost ceaseless hail of bombs and an increasing concentration of artillery fire. Nor were the seas, as I have said, themselves free from mines and torpedoes. It was in conditions such as these that our men carried on with little or no rest for days and nights on end making trip after trip across the dangerous waters, bringing with them always men whom they had rescued. The numbers they have brought back are the measure of their devotion and their courage. A miracle of deliverance achieved by valor, by perseverance, by perfect discipline, by faultless service, by resource, by skill, by unconquerable fidelity, is manifest to us all. Sir, we must be very careful not to assign to this deliverance the attributes of a victory. Wars are not won by evacuations. But there was a victory inside this deliverance, which should be noted. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Thank you for listening. Visit Intent Sport on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit our website at intentsport.com. You can also listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Android, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.